the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, recently, I think this past weekend, the, the uh, Toronto Raptors defeated the Milwaukee Bucks in six games to make it to the NBA Finals. It was a really good series, really entertaining. And I want to talk about it because I was really, really disappointed in the Bucks, uh, how they played in the last four games of that series because the Bucks were actually up 2-0 on the Toronto Raptors early on in the series, and they lost four straight games. The Raptors were able to take four straight games away from the Milwaukee Bucks to win the series in six games. Um, and it's really interesting, like, when you watch the games, I, I mean, it's really, really, I was really disappointed in what the Bucks did from game two on, and I was really disappointed in Mike Boonholzer. A lot of people are criticizing Giannis. They're really, really hating on him. They're criticizing him for the way that he played in this series. He wasn't good here. He wasn't great. Um, he was okay. He's pretty good. Uh, but people really wanted him to step up and play at like an elite level in this series. But I really think that Giannis is a prisoner of the system. Um, like Coach Bud really basically he puts handcuffs on Giannis because their offense, the Bucks' offense, really really predicates on Giannis driving going one-on-one with defenders, taking defenders one-on-one, and kicking out, kicking the ball out to shooters. Um, but in this series, that wasn't working because the Bucks, like a lot of the time, a majority of the games, they would have Eric Bledsoe and Malcolm Brogdon on the court at the same time, which you can't have because both of those guys, like neither one of them are really good shooters. So I don't know why they're on the court at the same time. So the Raptors are trapping, they're double-teaming Giannis, and they're not putting, they don't have to focus on Brogdon and Bledsoe that much because those guys can't shoot. So they don't have, they can just let them take wide open jump shots. And they'll they'll just roll the dice and just hope that they, that they don't shoot a good percentage. Um, and then when Giannis gets double teamed, he's not an excellent passer. So sometimes he's like making wild passes, passes right guy's feet. Um, so he was struggling that way. And I really hated what the Bucks did in this series. They didn't make adjustments. Like Mike Budenholzer, their coach, made zero adjustments at all. Even when what they were doing wasn't working, he didn't make any adjustments at all. He made some minor adjustments in game six that weren't really good. Um, but here's what I would have done. And on Twitter in, during game six, I said that if I were the Milwaukee Bucks head coach, we would have won the game in five. We, we would have won the series. In five games and I really believe that I wholeheartedly believe that and I would I'd be willing to put money on it so here's what I would have done first off my rotation would consist of eight players my starters would be George Hill Chris Middleton Giannis Irsan Ilyasova and Brooke Lopez you could also substitute Ilyasova with Nikola Mirotic I'm gonna have Ilyasova because he like Mirotic didn't really play much and late in this, series, in this series against the Raptors. Like in game six, I, I don't even know if he really played at all. Um, so I would have Ilyasova starting. That gives me Giannis and four reliable shooters. Middleton, Ilyasova, Lopez. Like those guys can all shoot the basketball. I really like that lineup. Um, Giannis, he can drive, out, drive and kick out the shooters. That's a really, really good lineup. And I really liked it. Even George Hill. I mean, George Hill, um, he was really good in the playoffs. Really, really good. Um, he's not a great shooter, but he's a better shooter than Brogdon and Bledsoe. And I th he's reliable. So I want him to be the starting point guard. Off the bench, I would have Malcolm Brogdon. He would come in. 
Um, he's a good defender. He's a good player. Uh, I thought he was... I didn't think he was that great in the conference finals, but he is a good player. He's a really good defender, and I like him as a ball handler. Then I would have Nikola Mirotic, great shooter. He can come in for Irsan Ilyasova and Brooke Lopez. And then finally, I would have Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe is borderline unplayable, in my opinion. He was really bad at the conference finals. He's a great defender. However, his defense is not worth how pathetic he is offensively. He's really bad offensively. Um, in game six, he was actually really, really good. I thought he was a lot better than he had been uh, for the rest of the series. Uh, but yeah, he was so inconsistent offensively. He wasn't good. He's, and the main issue with Bledsoe is that he's not a good shooter and he's not a confident shooter. Um, so you can't rely on him offensively. And he's a smaller guard, so he's like finishing in the playoff. Like, he's good at driving. Uh, but the Raptors have a really good defense, so he was really struggling offensively. I would play him around 5 to 10 minutes. I will bring him in for defense, really. Like, that's all I could really rely on from him. I can't rely on Bledsoe to give me anything on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, I just can't. He's not a good offensive player. And in the playoffs, you really have to be a good scorer or a good offensive player. you got to be a good shooter, in my opinion. Because if you're just a good defender um, and you're a mediocre at best on the offensive end, you're really useless in the playoffs. That's just how it is. That's how the playoffs are. The playoffs are a whole different animal than the regular season. So Bledsoe would come in around 5 to 10 minutes each game. Then what I would do on my offense, I would have, I would A, I would have Giannis post up um, a lot, and then, because Kawhi Leonard was guarding him, but Giannis is a great post player, like, if he, if you put him in the post, Kawhi Leonard is a great perimeter defender, but he's not as good, um, of a post defender, so, I think Giannis could have really, really, I think he would have had an advantage over Kawhi in the post, and I think he could have dominated in this series, um, the Bucks didn't do that in real life, but I would have. Second, I would have run a pick and roll with Middleton and Giannis. Middleton as the ball handler, uh, Giannis as the screener. That's what I would have run. I would have run that a lot. I think that would have been lethal because Middleton is a he, he's a viable ball handler, but he's a really good shooter and a scorer. He can create his own shot, and I think with Giannis rolling, setting him screens, pick and roll, that could have been really deadly. That could have been really lethal. And then. With that starting lineup, you have George Hill, uh, Ilyasova, and Brooke Lopez spreading the floor. They can all shoot. So if the defense wants to trap Giannis or Middleton, you can pass it out to these shooters. And I think you can really do. They would have had some success with that running, just doing those simple things: running pick and rolls with Giannis as a screener and as the roll man, and just posting up Giannis. Um, now, I don't want Giannis to be trapped in this system where he has to be a, peri a perimeter player and just forcing him to drive. Like, he, like he's basically running halfback dive in Madden every single play. Um, don't do that. You're limit I thought Mike Boonholzer was awful in this series. He was really bad. And he really just limited Giannis's just ability to affect the game because they had nothing. Like, their offense was not complex at all um and they really just did the same thing over and over again with no success and they didn't make any adjustments that's what i would have done uh now i want to talk about steph 
Curry and Kawhi Leonard. Going into this NBA Finals, and this, this is a huge series for both Curry and Kawhi Leonard's legacies. Uh, I want to start off with Steph Curry. Steph Curry um, has been fantastic uh, for this past, the past series against the Trailblazers, he was awesome. And in Game 6 against the Rockets, he was tremendous. He hasn't been that great in the playoffs. Um, he really struggled early on, but he's come on, and he's really playing like a top-five player in the league. He's really showing out so far. Um, Steph Curry, you know, the Golden State Warriors, they lost Kevin Durant in Game 5 against the Houston Rockets. However, the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they stepped it up. And they, they beat the Rockets in Game 6. They were able to steal that Game 6 on the road. Great. That was a great win for them. I was I was shocked. I wasn't really... I wasn't necessarily shocked. Um, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked that they won. I was shocked that they won. And James Harden and Chris Paul played well. I was shocked that they won. And that the Rockets uh, played well in that game. And they were still able to get the W. That's what I was uh, shocked by. Now, in the series against the Trailblazers, Steph Curry was awesome. He scored 30-plus in every single game. He was fantastic. Uh, the Trailblazers had a really, really bad defensive game plan where they were um, on screens, on pick and roll with Draymond Green and Steph Curry. They would have Enos Cantor sag off. Um, and for some reason, they were, I don't know why they were doing that. Steph Curry is the greatest shooter um, in the history of this planet. And if you give him, like, an inch of space... He, he has all the confidence in the world. He's pulling up from three if you give him the space. And that's what the Trailblazers did. I don't know why they wanted to play with those percentages. Because it's not going to be in their favor. Um, now, they're playing the Raptors. And say the Warriors win in four. That would be 9-0 in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. The Warriors would be undefeated without Durant in the playoffs. And they would have just swept the Toronto Raptors, which is a great opponent. This would be the greatest accomplishment in Steph Curry's career. Um, even if he just wins the series and Durant doesn't play, that's like this would be the greatest accomplishment of his career. And in my opinion, Curry is like a top 15, top 12 player of all time. I think winning this championship... Um, if Durant doesn't play a lot, play a lot, um, I think Durant may play, um, from game three on, but say Durant doesn't play at all, and the Warriors win the series, I think this elevates Steph Curry into, like, possibly top ten, um, top ten players of all time, I think he could reach that level if he wins this series, if he wins the championship and wins finals MVP, I think this may elevate him into the top ten players of all time. Uh, now moving, moving on to Kawhi Leonard, he's had a tremendous uh, playoff run right now. He's he killed the Bucks. He was fantastic. Um, he played great defense on Kawhi. He was phenomenal in this series. He's really elevating himself offensively. Like he has elevated his game offensively. Like he's such a good scorer now. Um, he's a great mid-range shooter. He's a good three-point shooter now. But he can create his own shot off the dribble. Um, and he's now just as as lethal as possible. Like he is seriously a like an all-time great player now. Um, and if he can keep this up for years to come, he can easily propel himself into the top 20 players of all time. Now he was tremendous in the series against the 76ers that they won in seven games. Hit that game winner 
um, in Game 7. That was insane. Hit the rim like four times. Um, that was fantastic. But he ended, um, he beat, he and the Raptors beat the Bucks in six games. Winning the, winning the NBA championship this year gives Kawhi Leonard two rings. And if they win, uh, say he wins, um, finals MVP, that would give him two finals MVP. That'd be one ring and one finals MVP as the best player on the team. Um, the other two... He was on the Spurs. He wasn't the best player on the team. Um, Tim Duncan was. and But he would have two rings, two finals MVPs. He would have a tremendous playoff run under his belt. He's already done enough in his career to be an all-time great, like a top 50 player of all time. But with this championship win, I think he would he would have to be a top 20 player, possibly. Um, easily top 30. But I think possibly top in the, inside the top 20. I mean, this is a tremendous playoff run he's on right now. I mean, beating the 76ers, then beating the Bucks, then beating the Golden State Warriors, although they're without Durant, that would be an ins- like a very, very, very impressive playoff run. Um, but yeah, I just think their legacies can be heavily impacted by this series, and I am super excited um, to watch this finals. I'm really excited, and I think it's going to be a great series. Now, moving on, I want to give my analysis on Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, and Jarrett Culver. Um, those are the next three guys on my list. And I'm doing this list. I'm doing. I'm going to be giving my analysis on the top ten players. First off, I did my analysis of Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and John Morant. Those were the top three guys on ESPN's uh, draft board. And these were the next three guys. So, starting off with Darius Garland, he is a terrific shooter and he's comfortable shooting in any situation he can shoot off the catch or off the dribble he can create his own shot um and he has elite range he can shoot from probably like five to seven feet outside the college three-point line so he's got enough range to hit the hit to hit nba threes and farther um so yeah he has elite range he's probably he's the best shooter i've watched so far easily um I mean, he's just a tremendous shooter. He's also very good in pick and rolls. He's great at attacking off pick and rolls and using his threat as a shooter to get into the lane. Um, and he's able to break down defenders. He's really smart at attacking the basket. Um, there's this play against uh, who was it? Was I think I believe it was USC, where he he's all, coming off the pick and roll, coming off the screen, and this dude, the defender, is on his heels. Like he's he doesn't have his feet set, and Garland just goes straight at him, attacks, and is able to scoop up um, and use finesse, and he's able to score. And that was a really really nice play. Now that goes into my next plus, a next pro I have for Darius Garland. He, Darius Garland, he's a crafty finisher. Um, he he does a great job of finishing with scoops and finesse. Now Garland is he's smaller. Um, he's 6'3", which that's not small, but he's only 175 pounds. He's not a big dude. He's not strong, so he's not able to finish um, over bigger and longer defenders, but he is able to use um, scoops and like floaters to finish around the rim. Um, that's one thing he does very well. He, he's a really good, uh, he's got a strong floater game. It's really, really impressive. Next off, he's an instinctive passer. He's not a great facilitator, but when he um, attacks the defense and gets deep into the lane, at that point, he does a good job of finding his teammates and putting them in position 
to score. Um, now he's not as good. He doesn't have the the best court vision. He's not as good of a passer as John Morant, uh, but he is a solid passer. Um, and if he can improve that, he can be a really really good point guard. He's also aggressive on defense. He's not a great defender. Uh, but he is aggressive in the passing lanes. I think in the NBA, he could have that Steph Curry-type role where he can be a free safety on defense, roaming around, getting in the passing lanes. Um, he's not going to be a great on-ball defender, but he can be a good. He can be really, really good in the passing lanes. Um, he's also very shifty, has a good first step. He's not like He doesn't have elite speed and explosiveness, but he's shifty. Um, he's very, very quick and has a great first step. Some cons. Um, he's... He doesn't have a great frame to be a good defender. Um, I, I can't project Garland being a good defender in the NBA because he doesn't have good size. He's not long. Um, he's tall, but like he's he's only 175 pounds, and I think he can struggle against bigger and stronger point guards in the NBA. Uh, he's also an average passer. Nothing great there. Um, if you're looking for a facilitator, I would not look at Garland. I would probably look at somebody like uh, John Morant or uh, Kobe White from North Carolina. Garland's just not a great facilitator. He's not a, a tremendous playmaker in that regard. He's also, he and like I, I pointed this out earlier, Garland is not a great finisher. And he struggles to finish against bigger, bigger and longer defenders. So I think he's got to gain some muscle in the NBA, which he will. I um, mean, he's got to work on finishing against strong and long defenders. But anyway, I love Darius Garland. I think he's a really good point guard. So far, he's the second best point guard I've watched. Moving on to DeAndre Hunter. Um, he's a small forward from Virginia. For, Virginia? Whoa. Virginia. My bad. Uh, Hunter is an elite defender. Very good perimeter defender. Does a good job of keep, keeping guys in front of him. Um, he's a great defender. He's also got great size at 6'8", 227 pounds with a 7'2 wingspan. He's got the frame... Um, and he's already got the talent on the defensive end. Uh, he's going to be a really, really good defender, like an all-NBA defensive team type of guy in the NBA. Uh, he's not a great shooter, um, but he does provide some versatility on offense. He can post up, you can play him in the post, or he can play on the perimeter. He's okay at creating his own shot. Not great, uh, but he does provide some versatility on offense. And next up, he's... he's a decent shooter, not a great shooter. Didn't shoot, didn't make a whole lot of threes in college. Uh, but he has a solid jump shot. I would compare him to Kawhi Leonard. I think they have the same type of play style. Um, good de good perimeter defender. Solid mid-range shooter. Not a great three-point shooter. Um, but I think if he, if he works on his offensive game in the NBA and he develops... Um, his ability to create his own shot. He could be a really good player in the NBA. Uh, I'm going I'm to move on to my cons with Hunter. Um, and my biggest con is that he's not a great shooter. I don't think he's a reliable shooter right now. I think he can develop that, obviously. But right now, he's just not a reliable shooter. Um, and in the tournament, there were times where Hunter disappeared on offense. And there were times where he just lost confidence in his jump shot. I th and that's something he's got to work on. He's got to stay confident in his jumper, and he's got to work on that. If he really just works on his jump shot, he could be a really solid NBA player. Um, he's also a great, uh, not a great athlete. He's an okay athlete, like an average athlete. But he does a good job of driving to the basket. 
Um, for some reason, he had a lot of success just being a straight-line finish slasher. Um, I don't know why guys couldn't defend him, but that's something he did very well. I think Hunter's a good, a good player um, and a solid NBA prospect. I don't love him personally, uh, but I think he could end up being a really good glue guy in the NBA. Now, moving on to Jarrett Culver. Culver is a tremendous scorer. Um, he is great at creating his own shot from mid-range. Um, he provides a lot of versatility as well, just like Culver, or just like Hunter. You can play Culver in the post, on the perimeter. Um, he's also He can also play point guard. He played point guard a little bit for Texas Tech. He's just a really, really, really good player, and I like him. Um, good, decent ball handler, not a tremendous passer, uh, but he's got a whole lot of size. He's got length. He's got size. I mean, he's. Let's look at his measurables. Um, I think is he six five? That sounds right. He may be six seven. Let's look. Jerk Culver height. He is six six. Let's look at his weight. Um, he's got good size. He's pretty long. He's only one hundred ninety five pounds. So he's got to get his weight up if he's going to be a good a good defender and. The NBA, um, and I think he has the size to be a decent defender in the NBA, decent length, uh, but I like him. There, I have some cons about him. He was really, really bad in the NCAA tournament, really inefficient. Um, there were times where I was just like, this dude's a top, a top five prospect in this upcoming draft because he just dissolved in the tournament. My dog's going nuts, uh, but Cole, he just disappeared in the tournament. He's not a great shooter, a three-point shooter, um, and he has a weird jump shot. It's really awkward, and there's a lot of times where he come, where he shoots on the way down. That's something he's got to improve upon. But as a scorer, he's really good. He's also not a great athlete. Um, he's not doesn't have a whole lot of explosiveness, but he's really solid. Um, and I really, really like Culver. I think he can be a really good scorer in the NBA. All right, Thomas is about to join me on the podcast. I'll see y'all. Alright, Thomas has joined the podcast, and well, we're going to be doing our top 10 offensive players in college football, and our top 10 defensive players. We're going to start with offense and defense. Offense. Offense. Uh, my top 10 offensive players are number one, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. Number two, Tua Tagov, uh, and Tua Teriyaki, we just call him that, uh, from Alabama. Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, number three. Number four, Travis Etienne. Number five, Justin Herbert. Number six, Jake Fromm. Number seven, Rondell Moore. Number eight, Sam Ellinger. Number nine, Jerry Judy. And number ten, DeAndre Swift. All right. So uh, my top ten offense would be uh, number one, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson. Uh, won the national title for them last year as a true freshman. Number two, quarterback from Alabama, Tua Tagovailoa. Um Incredible year. Some think he got snubbed to the Heisman. I don't agree. No, but yeah. Uh, number three, I, that's where we get a little mixed up with mine and yours list. Uh, number three, Travis Etienne for me, running back from Clemson. Uh, Twenty-four rushing touchdowns last year. I think that led the NCAA in rushing touchdowns. He uh, had a lot of rushing touchdowns. Yeah. And then number four, Jonathan Taylor, running back from Wisconsin, who led the NCAA in yards with 2,194 yards. Uh, then number five, I have the speedy receiver from Purdue, Rondell Moore. 
think he's set to have an even bigger year next year in his sophomore campaign. Number six, Jerry Judy, the reigning Bolitnikoff Award winner, wide receiver from Alabama. Number seven, I have DeAndre Swift, running back from Georgia. Number eight, Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia. Number nine, Eno Benjamin, running back from Arizona State, who had a phenomenal year last year with 1,600 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns, 200-plus receiving yards, and two additional touchdowns in the air. Uh, number 10, big receiver from Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, I agree with that. Uh, the only reason I had Taylor above ETN is Taylor did what what there was some he had like two thousand yards which led the league which led all college football. Um he also he obviously had more carries than ETN, but Taylor did had I mean he Taylor had to carry like an entire team. He had like Wisconsin really sucked. Like they were awful. Yeah, they didn't have a quarterback, so I mean Taylor was the guy. Yeah. Uh, but they're both great players. I agree. Uh, I I had Herbert a little high. I, think I, could yeah, I didn't possibly, even have him in my top ten for offensive players. I think I could put Jake Fromm above Herbert. I had Herbert at five. Um, I, think, I think Herbert's great. I just don't. When I'm thinking of college football top ten offensive players, and you don't take into mind, you know, their NFL perspectives, like NFL prospect wise, then I, I don't think Herbert. Makes I think the top Her- ten. I think. If Oregon's like as good as everyone says they are, I think he'll be a top ten player. Uh, Oregon's really overrated in my opinion. Like they, yeah. I know they're returning all those dudes, but all those dudes sucked. Except for what's that dude's name? That wide receiver they, they had, had number one thirteen. Good his, his number thirteen. I don't, I don't, I don't remember really his number. Good. I just remember just one play when I was watching Herbert. Um, but yeah, like their team is really bad. Their offensive lines are awful. They're returning oh, like yeah. every single starter. Except one. Except for one. And yeah. I, it might low-key be that one red, wide receiver that they're not returning. Yeah. I don't know that. Uh, also, I, I had uh, Justin Ross on my list at first, but I had to put Swift. I love Swift. So I had to put DeAndre Swift in there. Um, Sam Ellinger. I don't I don't love Ellinger as a QB, uh, but he's really good. I mean, he's, he's a great, he's a great college, college player. Um, Joey Judy had to put him in there. Rondell Moore, uh, probably, I think, a little low on my list at number seven. He could probably be in the top five. I mean, he's just a tremendous player. I mean, he's I just an all-purpose kind of player. You could put him at running back, was, plays receiver. Was he in the, uh, um, was it Navy All-American game? The, or Army? Army, yeah. Army he was All-American in the All-American game. game. Yeah. Yeah, that, was when, when that he, was when he committed to Purdue. I remember when he committed to Purdue, and I was like, well, okay. Well, I, I'd obviously paid off because he got playing time immediately, and he's Right, he I mean, he's out. like, yeah, he's, he's really so good. good. Um, who else could have been in the top ten? Um, let's see. Anybody else, really? I mean... I'm trying to think. I don't really feel Our like lists are really different. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can't I think Well, anybody. there's a oh, receiver uh, from Colorado. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I was really thinking... Um, I almost put this dude from... The offensive lineman from Georgia. Okay, that's interesting. Name. You know what I'm talking uh, is about? Is it Andrew Thomas? Is that his name? Left tackle? I feel like that's not it. I feel okay. like it is. I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm saying like, yes, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, moving on, defensive players. Uh, do we do we, do we want to go from like 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Yeah, let's go from 10 to 1. Let's do I, that. Uh, my, my number 10 is uh, Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall, okay. My number 9 is Anthony Jennings. Number 8, Kenny Wilkes. Is it Wilkes? Or hey, where's Wilkes? Anthony Jennings from? Anthony, Anthony Jennings is from Alabama. Oh, Anthony. Okay. Anthony. What is it? Anthony. 
That's a fun name. What's Anthony. he playing? What uh, position? A linebacker. Okay, I hadn't even heard of him. You haven't. Um, I'm to be honest. I I really don't know much about these defensive players. To be honest, like I knew, like I knew, um, I had like I'm really confident in, in my ability or my knowledge of the offensive players, but I did not know much about these defensive guys. Uh, is that Kenny? Uh, that that Kenny? What is it? Willie? Willie? He's like Willick's, 49 or 48. Yeah, is he the defensive Michigan tackle State. from Michigan State? He's, the like, white he's guy? like he's a linebacker. He's a pass rusher. Okay. Um, well, I don't. Is he a defensive? I think lineman? he's a defensive tackle. I don't think he's a tackle. Okay, maybe not. He's I'm too pretty, small. Really? Okay, I think he's we're really thinking small. of two different guys. Then we might yeah. be thinking of two different guys. This dude's white. Yeah, I'm thinking of a white guy okay, too, but I can't. Um, I don't remember his name. Uh, number seven, Dylan Moses. Okay. Um, number Linebacker six, Patty Fisher. Uh, number five, Caden Stearns, safety from Texas. Number four, Derek Brown, Auburn. Number three, Chase Young, Ohio State. Number two, Grant Delpit, LSU. Number one, AJ Epinesa, defensive tackle. No, defensive, defensive end. end. Yeah. Defensive end from Iowa. Uh, yeah. Grant Delpit had a freaking insane stat line oh, last yeah. year. I gotta look that up. He had an insane stat line. I found somebody else who had a pretty insane stat line, too. Okay, so I'll go into my top ten. My top ten is a guy that didn't even start last year, but he got playing time just because it's Clemson. But that's Xavier Thomas, the edge rusher from Clemson, one of the top players in the country uh, coming out of high school. He was a freshman last year. 33 tackles, 8.5 tackles for loss, and and 3.5 sacks last year. Um, I think he can – I mean, he'll – be an easy just plug and play guy for them to replace, you know, uh, Cleland Furl and yeah. Austin Bryant, some guys that they lost. Uh, number nine, I have Raquan Davis, a uh, defensive lineman from Alabama. Uh, didn't have an incredible stat line, but he's super talented, and I think he'll have a breakout year next year. Uh, number eight, I have Patty Fisher, the linebacker from Northwestern. Now, he's only, he'll be a junior next year, but his first two seasons, freshman and sophomore seasons, uh, he put up over 100 tackles. Last year, 116 tackles, five for loss, one sack, one pick, two passes deflected, and four forced fumbles. Now, this is a guy that has really impressed me at my number seven spot, which you had at number 10. Bryce Hall, corner from Virginia, uh, had 62 tackles last year, three and a half for loss, two sacks, two picks. And this is the stat that's pretty impressive. 21 yeah. passes deflected. Well, I was gonna, for number 10, I was either going to put Bryce Hall or the guy from Houston. Corner. Yeah. What's his name? Is um, it Houston or is Houston right? I think so. I think I know who you're talking about. Or is that is it Isaiah Johnson? I believe. Or did he just get drafted? I can't remember. Um, I believe it's the corner from Houston. And then I looked at their stats, and Bryce Hall just annihilated him and passed the flight. I like. I think Hall, Hall will be the number one corner taken. In I think this 21 pass deflections was second, either second or first. Yeah. Hall, mm, Hall's yeah. incredible. Two forced fumbles and a fumble recovery as well. Number six, I have Dylan Moses, linebacker from Alabama. Had 86 tackles last year, 10 for loss, 3.5 sacks, forced fumble, and a pass deflection. Uh, really good linebacker. Bama always puts out good linebackers, yeah. though, so it's expected. Number five, Caden Stearns, safety from Texas. Last year as a true freshman, put up 62 tackles, 3 for loss, 1 sack, and 4 picks, also 4 pass deflections. Uh, number four, I have the big big defensive tackle from Auburn, Derek Brown, who thankfully for Auburn oh decided God, to yeah. stay for his senior season. Well, where would he have gone? He wouldn't have gone. I mean, he probably would have gone top 15. He might he have gone top, gone top 10. Top 15. Because well, he would have been, been higher than Dick Lawrence. 
Yes, he probably would have been. It would have been below the third defensive tackle. Taken. It would have been below um, Ed Oliver. I think. Well, yeah, I think he would have been the third defensive tackle. Taken. Yeah, who would have been second? Uh, I think it would have been uh, Quinnen Williams, oh, Ed yeah, Oliver, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Brown, forgetting. and then Wilkins and Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, didn't have like didn't have a great stat line, but he's just. Well, he's just physical double teamed. guy. Like, he's he double teamed all the double time. Exactly. Every single play. And he's a great run stuffer. Um, number three, I've got at number three, I've got year number one, AJ Epineza, edge rusher from Iowa, uh, thirty-seven tackles last year, sixteen and a half for loss, ten and a half sacks, uh, four forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery for a touchdown, three pass deflect, three passes deflected as well. A uh, really great edge rusher. I don't think he's the best edge rusher in college football, but he is very good. Number two, yeah. I have my who I think is the best edge rusher, um, who is Chase Young out of Ohio State. Uh, did a really good job last year filling in for the injured Nick Bosa. Uh, put up 33 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. Now, apparently his sack total is up for debate. Because yeah. multiple different websites say different things. When I go to sportsreference.com, it'll say he has nine and a half sacks. ESPN says he has ten and a half. And then Ohio State's actual website says he had ten. Right. So it's somewhere around ten. Average, I guess, of those websites was ten. Really, no one knows. But... Now, apparently, no one knows how many sacks he had last year. But... Um, I'll, I'll just go with the sports reference thing. Nine and a half sacks, uh, one forced fumble, and five pass, passes deflected. Uh, now, number one for me is easily Grant Delpit, the safety from LSU, defensive back university. Yeah, I was so – I like nearly had a stroke trying to figure out Chase Young, Epineza, and Grant Delpit. Um, I, had young, I had Young at number one, and then I had Delpit at number one. Then I had Epineza at number one. Then I had Delpit back in number one. I couldn't figure it out. So I just put Epineza at number yeah. one. They're uh, all three like Epineza, phenomenal players. Epineza played like less than 50% of the snaps. Yeah, and still put up 10 and a half sacks. And like put up the same numbers as Chase Young. Yeah. Like their numbers like identical. Uh, Epineza's going to be a god this year. He's going to be phenomenal. Delpit, Delpit's phenomenal. Uh, 74 tackles, 9.5 for loss, 5 sacks, 5 interceptions, 9 passes deflected, 1 forced fumble, and 1 forced, and one fumble recovery for Delpit. Had a phenomenal season last year. Oh, oh I meant to tell you Delpit's stat line. Delpit, uh, 46 solo tackles, almost in 28, that's assisted. 46 solo tackles, 74 total tackles, 5 picks, 9 pass deflections, 1 fumble recovery, and one forced one. And the five sacks. That's pretty incredible for a safety. I mean, five sacks? Oh, yeah. yeah. Five sacks. I even see the sacks. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, so he's a beast. Let's move on to our top five top draft five, eligible yeah, QBs. Top five draft eligible QBs. So this is not like a top five QBs in college. It's just like, free. like based eligible. on based on guys. Who are potential in the yeah, NFL. Eligible to go to the NFL. And this is, yeah, like you said, this is not based off of how good they are in college. This is based off of, like, how they project to do in the NFL. Uh, my number five QB was KJ Costello from Stanford. Um, he has a weird throwing motion, which can lead to erratic throws. He has, de- I think he has decent arm strength. Um, he puts. He has some okay, pretty good velocity 
on uh, his, his throws. A lot of, some of these dudes struggle with velocity. Um, there's too many predetermined reads. My lord. KJ Costello is a good QB, but I, uh, bro, the, the amount of predetermined reads on his film was insane. Um, he has a, the one plus about him, uh, he has experience in a pro-style offense, which is good. Um, he also has good size. He's like 6'5", right? 6'5", 6'4", 6'4", something like that. He has good size. Um, he has the talent and the IQ to be a good QB. He just needs to, like, really put it together on the field. And it, and it his, and improve his ability to read defenses and anticipate throws. Um, but he's good. He's got, he's got good, a good, physic, a good, like, physical tools, uh, to be a good QB. Alright, uh, my number five quarterback is Jake Fromm from Georgia. Uh, decent arm, he's decent velocity, gets the ball out quick, but with him getting the ball out quick, it uh, really makes a lot of predetermined throws. He, ma- he makes a lot of predetermined throws, and he doesn't read defenses extremely well. Like, yeah. he just makes a whole lot of like predetermined before the snap throws. Um, and to me, he's... He's a game manager to me. He's not really going to do anything to win you a game, and he's not necessarily going to do anything to lose you a game. Right. But I think he's got the tools to have potential success in the NFL. So that's my number five. Yeah, uh, my number four is Jordan Love from Utah State. Uh, he's got good mechanics. Uh, he likes to step into his throws, which are like um, he has decent arm strength. Um, he has pretty. He has some. He has pretty good velocity on his throws. Yes, he it's does. not bad. Um, he's got really good mobility. He's a really good runner. Um, like he can, he can really, really do some damage with his legs. He's not a great decision maker. There are times where he, where he make or he th- make a throw, and I was just like, eh. Um, yeah, he has not good physical. Go with that. Is he six four? Yes, he's six four. He's got good size too. Um, he needs better awareness on short, like third and short against Michigan State. There were a couple like third and four, third and five, third where and three. Where he's throw like, deep. going deep. And I'm like, dude, you idiot. It's like the first down mark is right there. Why are you going deep? Yeah. Like, that's something like Nick Foles does well. Um, Nick Foles is, has really good awareness um, on like third longs. He'll take short throws. He doesn't try to get more than he needs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jordan loves, he's good. I would have loved to see him in a different offense. I yeah. feel like he was limited because they ran the ball a lot, and uh, also they ran a lot of RPOs, and it just never—you really never could see like how well, like he could read the defense and uh, throw yeah. how far he could. I mean, you could you could see on some plays like he has an arm, but right. they ran a lot of RPOs, and so it was kind of hard to gauge in yeah. some games. Yeah, he's he's good though. I like him. All right, uh, my number four is KJ Costello, who's your, your number five from Stanford. Uh, I think he's got a decent arm. He's not—I mean, it's not a great arm, but he's got a decent arm. But he does have really good velocity. He's got good touch on his throws. Now he does underthrow a lot of guys deep, uh, and I mean, that's just a problem with a lot of guys that I've been seeing. Yeah, they either underthrow or overthrow guys. You—you you don't see a lot of these college quarterbacks hitting guys in stride, except for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And, I mean, Herbert does as well. Um, but, you know, in the games that I actually saw, I think I only watched two games, uh, but the games that I, I watched him in, 
Uh, I, th- I thought he read the defenses very well. I think he's a very smart player. I don't think he makes that many terrible decisions. I thought um, that, yeah. Uh, I thought there, there was a lot of games. The games that I watched, there were a lot of times where he's just like... Making predetermined reads. Yeah. Yeah, we might have watched different games. Uh, but And I thought he had really good accuracy on short and medium routes. He's, he's good. I like Castillo. I think he's I think he's okay. He needs to improve a little bit, though. Uh, you good? You done? Yeah. My number three. We're on number three, right? Yes. We're on number three. To sure. Uh, I have Jake Fromm from Georgia. Uh, really good accurate. He's a very accurate quarterback. He's a very accurate passer. Um, he's a passer. He's not a thrower. He's not going to launch the ball deep. Doesn't have tremendous arm strength. But, um... He's really, really accurate, short, medium, and deep. Uh, he doesn't read a defensive a defense well. It appears like, there was like, a lot of games that I watched. There were a lot of times where he was just like staring down one side of the field. Um, he wasn't reading the defense. He wasn't going. He wasn't going from one side of the field to the other, um, reading the defense. And like there were times where the announcers would say. They would like say something like, like "Hey, like, there's a dude wide open or, or over they, there." Or, he no, they would they would him. they would be like, "He looked. He's like looking at this side of the field the entire play." And it was like really funny. Brom uh, yeah. is a good decision maker. Doesn't doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, he's a nice touch pass. We can put touch on on throws. Um, average arm strength. Uh, he doesn't drive the ball down the field really well. I mean, yeah. that's not something. He doesn't have special arm strength. He's really clutch though. I really he's really clutch. Um, I don't love Jake Fromm. I think I like Jordan Love and Costello better. I think they have more physical tools. Um, they, I think they could be better quarterbacks than Jake Fromm, but Jake Fromm is so accurate um, and clutch. I, I I think he'll just be more NFL ready right now than Love and Costello. All right. At number three, I have Jordan Love as my number three. Now, I really, really like Jordan Love. From Utah State, he's got good size at six four. I think he's got incredible accuracy on the run. Yeah. He's really good at putting the ball right where it needs to be, especially when he's on the run. He's got a good arm, and I think he's got really good velocity as well. Uh, he's puts good touch on the ball, but sometimes when when you're watching him, he puts a little bit too much touch on the ball. Like he'll just kind of like float it up there where he really needed to zip it. Now he can zip it. There's throws where he just zips it in there, but Sometimes right. he just puts a little bit too much touch on it where he just needed to get it get it in there quicker. Right. Uh, now, he does make some poor decisions. He's not the best decision maker, but he's super athletic as well. So I think with some proper coaching, once he gets to the NFL and he can get with a good quarterback's coach, I think he can really blossom into a great NFL player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Jordan Love too. I think he's really good. I think this this is a decent quarterbacks class. Yeah. I think it's. Better. I don't think it's even. Honestly, I don't even know if it's better than last year's though. I'm not sure. We'll have to see how the college football season plays out. But well, number four, I think the top three QBs in this class. To me, I think there's only two first rounders. Yeah, there's only two first rounders in my opinion. But there's only two first. Well, no, there's three. There's well, three there's last year. Two. Daniel Jones is not a first rounder, but okay. Okay. Uh, my number two is number two. six overall picks, not a first rounder. Yeah, no, All right. All right, no, he's not. He's a freaking second round pick, All late right. second round. All right, we have the we have the Tua, same top yeah, two. Yeah, number two, Tua. Uh, great short and medium accuracy, like really, really good accuracy. Um, he's a good wide open deep ball thrower, not a good contested deep ball. Like yeah, there were time, there were so many, there was in some games I'd watch where he would have guys. 
um, like running like they were like close to the sideline. They would have the the safety beat. Um, he would just have to put it on the money, and he would just overthrow it, and it would it would I would like want to throw my phone at the wall. Um, he's just. He's a good QB. There were times where he missed throws. He'd overthrow guys. And it's just, like, really frustrating. He's strong. This dude is a strong dude. And he's got really good mo- he's decent mobility. Not really good. He's not as mobile as Jordan Love. I don't even uh, think he's as mobile as Justin Herbert. Um, well, Herbert didn't run a lot. Herbert's really sneaky athletic, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Herbert's fast. Uh, it, well, I I just didn't really see it a whole lot in the game that I watched. Um, he can make plays with his legs. Tua. Uh, inconsistent as a decision maker. There were times where he'd, like, try to fit throws in windows that he just can't make. Like, Herbert's probably the only dude that can make these kind of throws. Um, there were, like, like, on, like in routes, short in routes, slant routes. Um, there were times where he, he would just, like, try to put these balls into windows. And it's just, it wasn't working. Um, there was, yeah, like I said, my last note says that he struggles to make throws in tight windows. Uh, but Tua is really good. He's a good decision maker. Um, I don't think um, that's something that we'll have to worry about with him. He's really accurate. Has a good arm. Uh, not like tremendous velocity, but I think he has good above average velocity. Yeah. I think he's really good. I really, really like Tua. He's easily a first round QB. I'd easily. I, th- I think there's like two guys you can be franchise QBs, and I think he's one of them. Yeah, uh, I agree with number two as Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. Uh, smart quarterback, really smart, uh, super accurate. I don't. I mean, he doesn't have a great arm, but it's a solid arm. Yeah, I think um, he's better than everyone that we've looked at so far. Yes, I agree. Uh, he's a bit on the smaller side for QBs, not necessarily six your two. your prototypical QB. He's six two, six one or six two, um, and I, when I was watching him, I actually you said you thought he had above average velocity. I thought he had really low velocity when I was watching him, especially compared. It's been to, a long time though. compared to Herbert and Love. Uh, and even Costello, I thought he had low velocity compared to them. Maybe it's been a while since I've watched him play. Now he is really safe with the football. Yeah. He didn't. Um, he throws have the ball a lot away. of turnovers. Yeah, he throws the ball. Um, away. And in my opinion, last year Alabama only played four good defenses, and that was LSU, Mississippi State, Georgia, and Clemson. Uh, he played, um, but he played great against like every single one except Georgia. No, actually, actually, uh, I got the. The average stats, okay, 230 passing yards average. That's not bad at all. But one and a half touchdowns and one and a half interceptions average against those four teams, um, and 57.7 percent completion. Right. So he actually he struggled against the good defense. Well, in Georgia against Georgia and Clemson, he was hurt. That is true. We can take. Well, and like I remember during the regular season, there was like a stat where like, against like top 25 defenses or whatever, he was really good. Yeah. Um, like in the regular season, he was good against good defenses that he played. Yeah, um, he he does. Miss he was terrible. Some, like from the SEC championship game on, he was not that good. Yeah. He does miss some some deep throws too. So um, that's I, the only. Thing. I think the like the one reason I think Tua is better now than Herbert. Uh, well, I I don't want to say better. I I think I'll go ahead and say that he's better than Herbert now. 
but he also has a much better team. He's on one of the best offenses offenses in the country. Yeah, you've been saying this for a while. I would both of us would love to see what Herbert could do on like Oklahoma or Alabama, yeah, like an like, offense like Herbert that. Herbert could be really good. Uh, I think Herbert's just a prisoner of his sucky roster. Uh, but Tua, I, like from the SEC championship game on, I mean he wasn't good against Georgia. Yeah, he was t- actually not even. Not good. He was terrible. He was terrible against, against Georgia. Georgia. He was a little bit better against Clemson, but he did throw two interceptions against Clemson. Uh, I don't. I didn't really watch much of the Oklahoma game. I, I'm, he was. He was, he was really good against Oklahoma. Yeah, that's but what I thought. Oklahoma's defense was awful yeah, last I mean, year. Like so, legit. Like my little sister, who's seven, could have scored a touchdown. Could have like made a throw against yeah. Oklahoma. Uh, and she has below average velocity. Oh wow! Wow. Alright, number been one. In your top five? No, I don't. Number one, Justin Herbert is my number one. Great size. This dude's big. He's big. Six, six. Yeah, he's big. He's like you can just tell on film that he's big. Great arm strength. Great. I say I say good velocity. He's got elite velocity. He's probably got. He drives the ball down the field. It bet like as good, if not better, than anyone else in the country. Yeah. Like, he, it's insane. Like, when he makes some throws. Yeah, he, and, it he is and Trevor Lawrence remind me a lot of each other. Like, he drives like the ball down the field, and it is, an, it is crazy. Yeah. Um, like, with, uh, something that Tua struggles with uh, is making throws in tight windows. Herbert doesn't. Herbert can make those throws. That yes. Tua, that's the one thing I like about Herbert. Um, Herbert can do, do the stuff that Tua can't, and Tua can do things that Herbert struggles with. Um, so I think that's what makes it hard for me to rank them. I think Herbert, with his size, with his velocity, with his ability to make throws that no one else can, that he will be better in the NFL than Tua. Um, I think Tua could, is probably better than Herbert is right now. Now, I think Tua is going to end up getting taken over Herbert, but I like Herbert better than Tua. I disagree with that. I think Tua will potentially be the number one overall pick. I don't think he'll be number one. I don't think he should, but I think he, he really might. Uh, we'll have to see. <coughs> we'll obviously talk about that when the time comes. Yeah. Um, Herbert was actually not a good, not an accurate deep ball thrower. That was something he I noticed he struggled with a little bit. Um, he can make tight throws, like really, really like, throws in tight windows deep down the field. There was times where he was like, um, I think he's a good decision maker, but there was times where he would have guys deep. But he would try to fit it in these tight windows that weren't they weren't there. It was really weird. Um, but Herbert's really good, and he his physical tools are enough to just put him in the top two. Yeah, uh, I agree with you at number one, Justin Herbert from Oregon. Great size, like you said, he's six six, got a big arm, great velocity. Uh, he steps into his throws too. I liked his mechanics. Yeah. Uh, he steps into his deep balls. He's fairly accurate, but I, I watched him. He throws behind receivers sometimes. Yeah. There there are sometimes where he really throws behind the receivers. He's got great athleticism for being six six. Yeah. Um, I I think he he reads the defenses fairly well. Um, and sometimes what I noticed was he really tries to extend the plays, like too much. Like, he'll have to end up taking a sack because he's trying to move around. Well, and I think his offensive line is so bad. Yeah. Well, he does, and he doesn't throw the ball away that much. He really tries to extend the plays. Yeah. Um, and a plus for him, he's got beautiful hair. Yes. He does have beautiful hair. 
That's that's that's. I mean, that's the main reason why he's number one. But yeah, uh, there was a play. I forgot was he play, is he either playing Washington or Stanford. I watched a lot of Pac-12 games. Yeah. I think like every single game I watched from him was like a Pac-12 game. Um, I watched him against Stanford where they lost in overtime, even though they had like a fat lead. Yeah, it, may, it wasn't against Stanford, I don't think. But he had this throw. Um, they were in the red zone. He rolled it out to the left. This dude, he had a guy in the left, um, like left corner or the left side of the end but zone. But did he roll it to the right or the left? He rolled out to the left. Okay. On the run, threw it. It was Squared an up. absolute die. And I was... I'm, I think it was against Washington. I think I know. What you're I think it, yeah, pretty sure it was against Washington. Yeah, those are our top five QBs. Um, my list is undisputedly better than Thomas's. But, oh, okay. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, I didn't think anyone else. I didn't even like, like really. I didn't even look at any other QB for this. Right? I didn't like consider putting anybody else in the top five. Uh, I considered Nate Stanley terrible. from Iowa because I had heard some good things, but then I watched his tape and, and it's then you realized Todd McShay has him back. Like, yeah, Todd McShay has him going in the first round. Nate which, Stanley. Okay, buddy. Right. Um, in his way too early mock draft, and that's right. It, it is way too early. Uh, like Shay Patterson. No, I watch him. He's like he's actually not bad. Like he's he's got tools, he's, but yeah, but. He like doesn't throw the ball down the field, or maybe that's just because it's of the probably offense. just because Michigan. Like, yeah, it's probably just because Michigan. Um, what's his name? I didn't. I couldn't find anything of Hunter Johnson because he hasn't played. Yeah, Hunter Johnson. I did, oh, also now, three, I didn't, three. I didn't put anybody in that hadn't played last year. Yeah, so I didn't put in. Uh, yeah, neither of them. Yeah, there's three guys that I think could make some noise, and that's Jalen Hurts, Hurts, uh, Jacob Eason, Eason at Washington, who's a transfer from Georgia, and. Um, who did you just say? Uh, Hurts. Oh yeah, Hunter Johnson, Hunter Johnson, who transferred from Clemson to Northwestern. There's no, there's like nothing to watch yeah. on Hunter Johnson. Hunter Johnson just um, played backup to Kelly Bryant his freshman yeah. year and then transferred. But I would not, I, I was not going to put anybody in my top five that didn't play last year. Yeah, same. Hurts was not going to be, a, I was not going to put Hurts in my top five. I mean, he wouldn't have made it anyway. Uh, but now personally, I think Eason. Really, Eason is super, super talented, like physically. But watching his freshman season at Georgia, he just made a whole bunch of bonehead mistakes. And this is freshman that's, season. Yeah, that's part of because so like, he was a freshman. So yeah, that was the reason I wasn't gonna look at Eason because I knew that was his freshman season. He's like grown. That's not yeah. who he is now. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think this this QB class is not that bad. Yeah, I agree. I think it. I think it has some depth. Like Stanley, Stanley, Stanley's solid. Yeah, well, it's not going to beat last year's class because you remember what Dan Quinn said. It's the best. Last year's class was the best quarterbacks class since '83 or whatever with Marino and Elway. Yeah. Yeah, Dan Quinn's an idiot. I'm sorry. Dan Quinn actually had to hire a a, a clock man, a guy, a, a coach for clock management. That's how that's how bad he is. Um. Anyway, yeah, that's gonna be it. I hope y'all enjoyed that, and we will see y'all next time. Peace.